Welcome to episode 269 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review the magic round. We discuss the Warriors referee cheating scandal, Griffin possibly being shown the door, the king of rugby league, and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 269 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T, and joining me is Tish. Tish, we have just had a magic round. Are you feeling the magic in the air tonight? Well, Dr. T, I am doing good. I am feeling the magic. Um, However, did you say magic round weekend, did you? Uh, yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, I thought it was Magic Mike weekend, Dr. T. So, um, yeah, my <laughs> my reviews of all these games are going to be, uh, yeah, they, they might be too raunchy for this podcast now. Um, my apologies <laughs> we'll for that error. <laughs> we'll have to keep, yeah, we'll have to keep that for another podcast. But look, uh, yeah, look, Magic Round has uh, been upon us. In mm. the lovely town of Brisbane, uh, Queensland, mm. uh, bumper crowds for three days in a row of uh, double and triple headers. Mm. Um, double header on the Friday night and two triple headers on the Saturday and the Sunday, making the eight games. And of course, uh, the other the other big news is Newcastle Knights uh, players had the buy, uh, went to Bali, uh, came back without incident. So good on you, Newcastle Knights. Good on you, <laughs> Newcastle Knights. Great, and staying and, out of trouble. Yeah. Yeah, and our apologies to anybody in Queensland. Um, we we were talking about the actual matches when we were talking about two heads and three heads. We weren't oh. talking about any opinions of any. Ex New South Wales players on what Queenslanders are, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. We are, uh, yeah, no, we're, we're staying we did away. Did I speak from... on behalf of any uh, any New South Wales cockroach? Please, 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 please stop. <laughs> <laughs> we are, no, no, we are we're definitely not uh, getting into any insults or uh, or things like that. Um, but and certainly not state rivalries. That, that's for future future episodes when state of origin comes up. But look. Look, without any further ado, I think we've we're gonna we've got a big uh, big show lined up. A lot of discussions uh, around things that are happening at the moment, scandals and rumours of coaches getting sacked, all sorts of things like that. And of course, the big one, the big one that we uh, that 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 have the big news that happened worldwide was uh, King Charles III's coronation. We're gonna mm. look at we're gonna look at uh, whether rugby league has a king. And, uh, and you know, we'll have a bit of a discussion about that. But, look, without any further ado, let's get into our uh, first tackle, which is the review of the Magic Round. Here we go. All right. So the Magic Round kicked off. Obviously, all the games were at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane, Queensland. Um, the Friday night. 
double header in front of 50,077. Uh, I guess that's pretty much as close to capacity as you can get at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, two big games, uh, one one more lopsided than I think people expected. But um, look, the first one was won by the Canberra Raiders, 34 to 30. Uh, and then uh, against the the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, and the second one was a bit of a flog in Brisbane Broncos thirty two over Manly six. The next uh, day saw three games, uh, one which has led to a bit of a controversy, which we'll talk about today. Uh, the Penrith Panthers. Uh, uh, oh, so first of all, the the uh, the crowd was fifty officially fifty thousand one hundred eighty three. Uh, that, of course, uh, you will notice not all, if you watch the games, not all the, uh, the the games look like they were at capacity, I think, because they, they take the maximum value of, uh, of of the number of people that were there. But obviously, uh, you know, the, I think there are some games that, that would attract more, uh, would have attracted more people than others. Uh, and so you may you may have seen some games that were uh, not, not as full. Um Penrith Panthers, 18-6 to over the New Zealand Warriors. That was the first game on the Saturday. Then that was followed by a bit of an upset, I would think. The Dolphins, 36-16 to over the Sharks. Then the South Sydney Rabbitohs, 28-12 to over the Melbourne Storm. And the Sunday saw uh, a triple header with uh, th- about 46,845 people there in, at Suncorp Stadium. Big crowd again. Um the Tigers, their second win of the season, 18-16 against the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Then the Cowboys upsetting the Roosters, 20 points to six. And finally, the Titans upsetting the Eels, 26 to 24. So three upsets in a row on a Sunday. Uh, look, I, I'm going to start with those ones, Tish, and then I'll throw to you. I think the West Tigers, again, we might have to talk about what's happened. Why, how have they turned this around? Two games in a row <laughs> when they hadn't won one all season. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but I think this means that the St. George Illawarra Dragons are probably in a rougher position at the moment than them, even though technically they're both kind of equal last, but for uh, mm. uh, but for a couple of points in terms of the, the for and against, I think. Uh, but look, Cowboys, uh, out of nowhere, uh, put on a display against... The Roosters, there's been a lot of uh, fall, fallout, actually, with uh, the Roosters, uh, you know, some of the commentators here talking about how they've lost their way, they've lost their identity, uh, all that kerfuffle with Sam Walker, uh, Brandon Smith is not really putting in and not really getting the results they want from him. Um you know, all sorts of things are going on. People are starting to question whether the Roosters' recruitment policy has, uh, uh, you know, has has lost its way. Uh, we've had, you know, even during the course of the first few rounds, um, changes to the way, uh, you know, Sam Walker being dropped, Manu bring, coming into 5'8", an unfamiliar position, all sorts of shenanigans happening there. Uh, and then you look at the Titans, 26-24 over the Eels. They were winning anyway. Uh, uh, and then, unfortunately, Mitchell Moses had a uh, head knock right right near the death. And uh, he uh, he's, I think he's out next week. So uh, not, not looking good uh, for Parramatta Eels. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the Dolphins... Uh, upsetting the Sharks the day before. I think, to me, that's probably 
the biggest uh, the biggest kind of game of the round. I think we mm. were thinking Sharks were really revving up to being you know competition favourites, and then to be completely dumped on by the Dolphins uh, in a major way. Um, you know, Wayne Bennett masterclass perhaps, or it could just be that. You know, the Dolphins, again, the, the thing that's surprising about the Dolphins is that they've got uh, no real marquee player and yet they're doing so well. So I guess the argument could be that, you know, save your money. for You don't need to buy a star player. You just need a bunch of good, solid players and a super coach and, and that that will get you, uh, you know, halfway there, living on a prayer kind of thing. So, look, Tish, mm. that's my review of the round. What about you? Yeah, well, interesting. Look, it was a very interesting round of rugby league. I've got to say, like, there were some really, really uh, great games, a lot of close games as well that went down to the wire. Um, I think also, like, just the, uh, you know, like, I, I don't think I remember it. Maybe it happens every Magic round, uh, but uh, I kind of remember it. Well, I kind of don't remember it as much, but I noticed that there was a lot of talk of, oh, will, will Suncorp Stadium hold up, right, um, to, to all the games being paid? Played consecutively, right? And uh, it's interesting, you know. The very first game of Magic Round was a sixty-four point game, right? Right? You know, thirty <laughs> yeah, points. Right. Um, and then there was a whitewash, uh, you know, with the Broncos running out, sort of thing. But you know, like uh, thirty-eight, so almost like thirty points less in the second game. And then you know, um, sort of the kind of the the thing is for Saturday, like you know, probably the uh, yeah twenty-eight twelve. Yeah, kind of the oh, they're kind of all got the same scoreline, right? Except for maybe the Sharks, Dolphins ran away with it. So I think there was kind of a bit of a, um, you know, if you get, if you play the later game, uh, you know, it's a bit more choppy on the field. Um, so maybe like the twenty six twenty four game with Parramatta and the Titans. Um, if anything, I actually expected these two guy teams to actually score a lot more points because because they're like. At both attacking-minded teams, you know, but they ended up being a very close game as well, right? You know, with all these tries being scored, and I think, um, that, yeah, so I think all that stuff was kind of really good to see. So I think that was great. Obviously, my team, the Tigers, winning as well, um, and you know, you know, and also like the Dragons. It was funny. Uh, Anthony Griffin was speaking before the game about how much um, bad luck they've had, and I was thinking, oh, well, you don't really know about. The Tigers, man, we've been we've been having a like we've been having a tough time as well, and then and then like you know, so Anthony Griffin's like, yeah, like you know, it's been it's been a tough season. Yeah, we haven't really got the results. We've been in a lot of games, and uh, and we're playing the Tigers, and uh, and then he get, ends up saying, we're full. yeah, they're, they're probably m- more unlucky than us, actually." <laughs> like, oh wow, like this is this is quite depressing. You know, is this the um, is this like the um, pilot game, like sponsored by Pilot or Headspace or something like? We need to get we need, we need to give this guy some counselling, man. He needs a hug, you know. Um, and, and then Gr- yeah, the game is Griffin is is Griffin's nickname Eeyore. Like he sounds like a. He does. He's like a he. He did definitely sound like that. And then um and then one of the yeah so that, look the game happened and I thought it was actually quite quite a great game and the Tigers yeah they're starting to put things together. However, I think if they played any other team, they probably would have got thrashed, <laughs> right? Mm. So they still have improvement. I think it's, it's to do with the opposition. I'm kind of worried about this game against South this weekend. Um, but then, you know, kind of interesting, Andrew Abdo, after that game or halftime, he kind of said something. And then this is kind of good because this is the first time I've ever heard the NRL saying this. He's like, 
you know, we've had it, you know, he kind of said, look, we've had a magic round and it's been a success every year that we've had it up here and I've learned so much, um, you know, but we probably need to be looking at other venues. And I'm like, well, finally, but here we're, we're here again next year. So hopefully um, it doesn't always stay in, because I think, I think it's losing a bit of its luster a little bit, just having it in Brisbane every year. But um, yeah, and look, the final thing you sort of pointed out on like, you know, what's happening at the Brewsters. Um, and I think I think two things I just want to remind anybody who supports the Brewsters is that they actually haven't won anything since Cooper Cronk retired, right? So mm-hmm. the issue around the halves has actually been there for a while, you know, and, and it really – and every year everybody rates them as a number one team, but this issue is there. And the second thing is I think everybody that's asking what's wrong with the Roosters seem to all be behind the Manu decision at 5-8 a couple of weeks ago. I think a couple of weeks ago everybody was saying this is a genius move and it hasn't worked <laughs> yeah. out, you know. So um, I think there's been a tremendous amount of backflip on, um, you know, certain parts of the media on, you know, this this Manu experiment. And just remember it was an experiment, right? So I don't I, I feel like it's uh, – I feel like the pendulum swings either side with the Brewsters in terms of what people perceive about them. Um, and But they're probably as good as what they have been uh, because I haven't been able to find a uh, capable Cooper replacement. I think you're right. And I think um, – you know, I was just thinking just uh, I know, just off topic a little bit and then we'll, we'll get this back on track. But I was just thinking the other day about how – um, you know, the the discussion around those Melbourne Storm, uh, you know, qu- uh, quartet, you know, of Billy Slater, Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk and Greg Inglis and, and how they were the linchpin of their success over the years. And, and, and I was thinking, you know, one player that never gets the credit and probably was, I mean, we've talked about this in the past about what a clutch player he was. Um, but also someone who just did did the hard work and and did what needed to be done to steer the ship, Cooper Cronk. I think out of out of all of them, I think you, a lot of people would think, yeah, he's not as important as Cam Smith and and Greg Inglis and Bidley Slater. You know, very favoured in their positions as some of the best of all time. Not that I would agree with all of that, but that's what a lot of people are saying. But I think Cooper Cronk gets lost in that conversation. And I think, you know, just the fact that he was able to go to the Roosters and steer them uh, to the premiership the way he did and 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 just look, um, yeah, the, the success that he, I think he's a clutch player, um, knows a thing or two about being, uh, you know, the modern day halfback. And I think you're right. I think they have uh, they've completely missed him. I think they've also missed, um, you know, let's not forget in the last you know, two, three years, they've lost two other players that have been, uh, you know, the stalwarts of that club, uh, Jake Friend and Boyd Cordner, no longer there. Um, and you've got a problem there with when you lose players of that calibre who are like club men through and through and they've they've just, um, you know, uh, minimal fuss but hardworking. Um you know what does that say about uh, about uh, you know the situation that they're in at the moment? Because the Roosters have this kind of weird uh, schizophrenic kind of personality, where on the one hand they've got some of the most hardworking uh, club players, you know that, that they've uh, developed over the years, people like Minicello, etc. 
And then and then they've got they do this thing where they buy you know with their salary cap sombrero, they buy mm. drama like Sonny Bill Williams. You know they buy drama like even even the Cooper Cronk situation was a bit of a drama. Um, and and at the moment the issue is the Swali'i thing. So you know now, mm. now he's been shopped back towards rugby union. I think they're saying if you want him, do you want him early? <laughs> you know like they're saying take him early because we may as well, we're trying to move on now. So look. Uh, yeah, my summation of the Roosters is they're they're in a bit of trouble at the moment because on paper they're one of the best teams, but um, they're, they're struggling a little bit, especially with uh, you know the, this kind of performance against a Cowboys team that hasn't really been doing anything good this year. So that's not a good sign at all. And you're right, the Manu experiment. I think, well, I wouldn't say it's failed. I think that it just needs. Uh, Needs a bit of extra consideration <laughs> because, uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot, a lot more that they could be doing to to improve their chances. But um, look, and, and you know, the, the well, we've got can something I just else. throw in one thing? This this is a bit sure. more spidey on the roof. Are you ready for this? And yeah. and I don't know if it's true, but I'm just looking it up right now. Have they won a premiership since Latrell Mitchell left? <laughs> Oh, that's another issue, isn't it? Well, I mean, saying I that Latrell Mitchell, Latrell Mitchell hasn't won a premiership since uh, since that time, anyway. So I think, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you could argue that that he's also time is due as well uh, with the Rabbitohs. Um, mm. Yeah, so I think yeah, the missing ingredients are there: the the consistent halfback and the X factor uh, outside back. That that's the two things that they haven't been able to to get out of a Joseph Manu. Uh, and the the various combinations of um, halfback and five eighths have tried, right? Um, so that's that's been their issue. And um, look, Cooper Cronk wasn't a he wasn't a Roosters homegrown, was he? He was a Premiership winning halfback from another club. So maybe they mm. maybe they've got to go after a Cleary um, or a Mitchell Moses or somebody like that, right? That's probably what's gonna, or maybe um, yeah. They're, they're, well, I let's think, let's talk later. Yeah. There may be someone else on the horizon. <laughs> I wonder mm. the return of the prodigal son, perhaps. Let's let's see. But look, another thing that happened this weekend is uh, some controversy following the uh, Warriors' loss to the Panthers, and that's what the topic is of conversation for to- tackle number two. Here we go. So, look, we do often hear from, uh, you know, coaches that, that mouth off about things and players, and, and they obviously get fined if they say things against the referees. But, look, the Warriors' major sponsor, One New Zealand, has gone a step further, in particular the CEO of One New Zealand. His name is Jason Paris. He has broken his silence after it was revealed the NRO would review his extraordinary claims against referees. He accused referees of, quote, cheating of the highest order following the Warriors' 18-6 to loss to the Panthers during the Magic Round. Um, he basically, just in summary, has been saying that, uh, you know, the Warriors have not been getting the, the rub of the green. They've been there's, – there's a deliberate kind of bias against the Warriors from the referees and the bunker. Um, you know, quite a few claims there that uh, that have really irked the NRL, and so they've decided to um, 
review his claims and investigate. And at the time that we're recording this, I think uh, they're in the middle of that. But I think he's doubling down. He's not really holding back. He's, he's really uh, angry about the way he feels that the Warriors have been treated. Um, so really this is about is there cheating by referees and the bunker against the Warriors or is this just a case of uh, someone just being a little bit too one-eyed and biased uh, towards his club and uh, you know not, not really providing evidence for uh, really an extraordinary claim. As I say, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. If you're going to accuse NRL referees or the bunker of cheating, I think you need to come up with some numbers to sort of say, you know, look, in this occasion we've been getting X many, uh, you know, six agains compared to others and, and all sorts of things. So far there's nothing. <laughs> there's just opinion. There is just emotion and anger. And I'll put it to you, Tish, that, uh, you know, we can't really move forward unless we have some facts uh, against feelings. And uh, But, look, do you agree with Jason Paris's perception, uh, really, that uh, that the Warriors have – there is a bias against the Warriors in terms of refereeing and the bunker? What do you think? Mm, okay. So, look, just – as you said, it's a bit difficult without evidence, right? So um, all I can see is that Jackson Ford, uh, he is the leading ruck infringement uh, offender. <laughs> According okay. to the NRL stats, we're six, uh, six of them, right? So so there we go. Um, and, and that is like the only statistic that I could see uh, on the negative point of view, where they've uh, where they're topping it, do you know what I mean? So uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. is it is uh, it the fact that so if you can't find any evidence, then I guess let me ask on on the basis of your you know opinion and and remembering uh, you know previous games that you've seen with the Warriors, have you when you've watched Warriors games felt like oh, geez, they've, they've been unlucky with that call or, or that kind of thing happening. Have, have you ever felt that way just specifically about the Warriors? Um, okay, so I'm going to say yes. Okay. <laughs> Here right. we go. Here we go. All right. <laughs> okay, 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 right. I'm going to say I'm gonna say yes. Now, look, because I've actually looked into another set of statistics, and this kind of backs it up, uh, I'll, I'll say this, because I actually have the most tackles out of any team, right, which would suggest is that they have less ball than the other teams, which could be that they're getting too many penalties, uh, like set of sixes going against them, right? So yeah, that could yeah. be uh, something there, right, which is kind of interesting. But, look, the reason why I say yes is because um, – I think it's kind of documented this thing where you like most um, where there is, uh, and I think uh, even the NBA has come out with so, so this is that s players that are perceived as marquee players or superstar players or sort of top ranking players generally officials sometimes get intimidated and don't blow as many penalties against them than other players, and sometimes there are they they seem to get away with a little more leniency than other players, and it's kind of an unbiased conscious towards that. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then that kind of happens from the judicial point of view where things might get a little extra downgraded because you kind of want to see these players playing all the top games, right? It doesn't always happen, but there is like a known type of, you know, sort of bias towards marquee or top players, and that's throughout all sports. 
And I think the problem with the Warriors at the moment is that they don't really have any player that's considered in those ranking top players, right? Um, they are. I mean, Sean Johnson was probably one of those players, but he's kind of now kind of the, you know, sort of in the back end of his career type player. Um, so he probably doesn't get that same type of leniency that he might have got before when he was a bit of a superstar. So I think on that basis or that sort of uh, sort of known bias that are, that is out there where, where it just seems like if you do, if you are more of a marquee type of player, you do get to get a bit more of, rub, of the rub of the green. I think that that actually goes against the Warriors and I think that is probably what is happening but then it just feels like everything is going against them and it's it's not like everything's going against them. It's just that you don't really have that, like, you know, you're probably not getting the same set of leniency as what you do with another team that would have a bunch of superstars playing for them. Uh, mm. What are your thoughts on that, Dr. T? <laughs> Yeah, look, you raised a couple of good points there. That um, uh, so you're suggesting that the cause of all this is uh, the the unconscious bias of referees, uh, you know, making sort of quick decisions, adjudicating, and and not realizing that they're actually favouring those uh, superstar teams with superstar players. So is it a bit of, could be a bit of intimidation, intimidation factor there. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. It's certainly, if that is true, then it does come across, uh, people sort of saying, you know, there's protected species out there <laughs> that you hear that phrase all the time. You certainly have been hearing that with the Panthers, the storm, the roosters, and what do they all have in common? They've been the most dominant teams of the last decade <laughs> on mm. and off. Uh, one of them at one, one point in time uh, has been dominant and Panthers at the moment are riding that wave. Um, this, and I guess the, the flip side is, yeah, you're right. That, that there is a, that bias is against the lower, lower level teams. Uh, and that, what that does is then serve to kind of um, artificially, um, <clears throat> provide support to those top teams in the form of, you know, uh, line ball decisions going against the minor teams, the, the, the less favoured teams, shall we say. Um, uh, you know, and that, that may be true, uh, but I, again, I, I wonder whether uh, part of the problem as well is uh, another bias, which is called kind of confirmation bias <laughs> confirmation bias is where you kind of see what you want to see if that makes sense mm. if you're looking for if you're looking for um bias against your team if you're looking for line ball decisions going against you in an nrl game you'll you'll see that and you'll only see that you won't necessarily mm. see you know the the calls that you are getting in your favour because you just sort yeah. of think, oh, that was lucky. You're not, but but the minute you uh, that you see uh, a hip drop tackle that isn't called in your favour, uh, you you start kind of uh, you know getting angry and saying, there you go. There's an evidence of exactly what I was saying. Um, mm. That's called confirmation bias. So you've just uh, we've we've done a bit of a psychology 101 <laughs> for yeah. our for. Our, for our listeners, because I think those are the two biases that make the world go round. Really, the unconscious mm. bias is really something that is permeates kind of like everything at the moment. And uh, if you're a one-eyed, you know, rugby league supporter, and you're watching just with your team, and you really want your team mm. to win, you will only see the things that you want to see. 
that's the confirmation and then you'll only and you don't realize the biases necessarily that you may have anyway and that's the unconscious bias thing so look yeah fascinating by the way we are not suggesting that any warriors uh fan is one-eyed right (laughs) no that's right that's right you know we're not suggesting that at all yep where the the two eyes and some of them are four eyes, but anyway, that's different. Um, look, uh, yeah, look, and, and I think look, it's a good point that you're raising. I think, from my perspective, what's interesting as well, the other factor is that we've got a potential sponsor situation here when when you've got a, one telco uh, <laughs> sponsor that's going up against a very mm. telco heavy sponsored sport. Uh, you know, Telstra obviously sponsor. It's the Telstra Premiership. You know, um, it's it's kind of a bit. Weird. It's like you know, it's like you have a, a Nike kind of competition, and then the CEO mm. of uh, New Balance decides to <laughs> arc up about mm. being, you know, their team being biased. It, that's another factor here that I don't think can be discounted because I think the overwhelming. Um, sentiment that I've been seeing online towards Jason Paris's comments is of support. Uh, you know, you probably get like five to ten percent of people saying, "Oh, get over it, Warriors." You know, it's it's, not, it's you're just seeing things. It's not really the case that you, there's bias against you. But the majority of of comments that I've seen online have been people actually agreeing with Jason Paris and saying, "Yeah." You know, the NRL is not, you know, we're not getting the rub of the green. Uh, some people have even brought in the fact that they, the Warriors sacrificed a lot during the COVID era um, by, uh, during lockdowns, etc. And and the NRL should do something to favour them and, uh, you know, give them a whole season of home games, you know, that kind of thing. Um that has nothing to do with this situation, guys. Yeah. The people out there, are, yes, it's a different issue, you know, how the NRL has treated the Warriors or whatever um, or, or whether they should get special treatment because of what happened. But it's nothing to do with the bias of referees. And I think the key thing here is, and I agree that the NRL needs to investigate and possibly find a way to kind of punish and censure Jason Paris because I think what's happened is uh, we're forgetting the main thing, which is, he's actually calling into question the integrity of the referees. Now, this is kind of like, you know, it's not really the done thing unless you've got evidence. Like I said, extraordinary Mm. claims require extraordinary evidence. And if you don't have that, then all you do is you risk being seen as a bit of a tool, basically, and not not really, you know, to strike at someone's integrity when you are a referee, I mean, that's like the lowest blow in a way. And I think, again, if opinions and emotions run run the world in this situation, we're never going to get anywhere. So I would say I don't think there is much evidence for this. I think it's been blown out of proportion. I think there's probably something else at play here in terms of uh, the, the it's a, it might be a telco thing. Uh, but even if it's not, even if it's just a one-eyed supporter being, uh, you know, wanting to go to bat for his team, um it's it's kind of immature to to immediately kind of say i feel like you know we're getting the the calls go against us and therefore that means you're corrupt or you're biased i mean i think i think uh, yeah i i have a real problem with uh this these kinds of accusations being thrown around it like i said i feel free if people in future say no but you're just shutting down uh 
a dissent or shutting down free speech, it's like, well, no, not really. Like, you have every right to say that the NRL referees are cheating, but where's the evidence for it? Because yeah. all, all it is is you mouthing off and, and you look like a fool. So I would say, uh, you know, don't really know Jason Paris, don't know the whole situation mm. in detail, but as an outsider looking in, just having seen this situation unfold in the last couple of days, he's coming across as really foolish. And so are all the people that support his position without any evidence. And I'm not saying yeah. that he's wrong. He might, he might end up being right. Maybe this mm. is true. Maybe there is a... Um, you know, bias going on. But the other thing is he's not saying unconscious bias. He's saying cheating. So he's saying it's deliberate. The kind of yeah. words that you're using is very inflammatory. And I think if it's, uh, you know, inflammatory is fine. I mean, you know, when when uh, Tommy Radonikas goes cattle dog, that's inflammatory, but it's inflammatory. <laughs> it's context specific and it works in that content mm. context. But inflammatory when it's there's no evidence i think is uh is outright wrong and i think uh you know i'm gonna put my foot down tish and say like it's yeah. wrong that he's done this and i think uh hopefully the well, nrl comes down hard on him yeah well you are skirting on the on the border of slander there right um i know this is not the uh you know the law and order podcast right um you know but like it is it is <laughs> CSI republic rugby league republic, yeah yeah. <laughs> so, yeah yeah but like you know like to accuse somebody without any evidence uh and to question i suppose a uh, cheat yeah calling somebody a cheater or something is kind of suggesting well it, it's kind of uh it's a slander on the character a little bit right uh particularly if you are supposed to be an unbiased official type thing so and that's why yeah, back chat. You know that that uh, I think Jack Bird got marched ten meters on over the weekend, and you know the, I think the week before there was a player. So like I think oh, Josh Reynolds. Get, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Josh you can't Reynolds, do that. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, you can't do yeah. that. And then so on the field, the the players get it. So now you're talking about the sponsors, the officials, and all that in the background. So, um, you know, look, I think this is where the also like you know if you think about like the post game comments and and then so, so what what the refer, uh, what the coaches say the referees and all that kind of stuff i think i think i think the nrl probably on their end where they can improve it on their end is just ensuring that there is a place to uh, call out the wrong decisions um without uh penalty and say hey look we don't believe that's right we don't believe that that's uh consistent with the rules um, here are some examples of where it went the other way based on that, you know. And I think there are courses to do that, but I think it's, I think it's, I think the clubs have to be very careful that they don't go over that line, right? But I, I, I do think that the Warriors need to keep calling out when there are decisions going their way, just like the Tigers did last year. You know, hang on, why, why was there, uh, you know, against the Cowboys, why was there a, uh, you know, why was there another play after the siren had gone, right? You know, that that it, it they shouldn't have been allowed to call it, right? And yeah, then I think yeah. in the end that there was some sort of investigation. And then I think I think those are the type of things you call out the particular incident and say, hey, you guys got that wrong. We need to please explain because, um, you know, we need to instruct our players and our fans to know, like we have some sort of accountability towards them that when when they're watching a game that the, that the decisions that the referees make are as accurate as possible. And, you know, the NRL has allowed – um, you know, uh, you know, people to bet in these games with multiple companies. So, you know, each try score or each sort of point, it's very important that we get those decisions right. We we believe you got it wrong. We're calling you out on that. You you know, and this is why we believe that. I think those 
Uh, I think I think there's got to be a bit more openness that the clubs can have in terms of sharing that content and sharing that information with the with the NRL when they're unhappy, and hopefully that will actually calm down people outside of that. Who then? Because I think when you don't give that uh, option, uh, like if you keep it really tight, right? Then what happens is that people will start saying things in other mechanisms because they're so frustrated, right? And the frustration builds because there's no outlet to actually present uh, your, you know, evidence-based facts, right? Yeah. And, and, sure. and I think, and I think, I think it's kind of where maybe the balance is a little bit out, and that's uh, like for, uh, at least what the that's what the worries think, and the worries feel like they felt for a long time that they're getting decisions not their way. They haven't been able to call it out, and now it's getting to the point where they they think it's cheating, and it's partly because they don't actually have a way to actually go, hey, th- this decision was wrong and that decision was wrong. So I think there's got to be, yeah, but but I think you're right in that it really is unacceptable to call uh, to call it out as cheating um, without actually stating the actual cases that, that these decisions were made wrong, you know? Yeah, exactly. Evidence is what we need, Evidence. <laughs> Jason. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> All right, look, let's move on to tackle number three. This is about the Griffin door. All right, the Griffin door, uh, nothing to do with Harry Potter. It is the door that is possibly going to... Uh, be be uh be opened for griffin to leave the uh uh what's his name anthony griffin to leave the the dragons he's not doing so well as you mentioned earlier he uh he sounds like a bit eeyore at the moment in terms of not being able to motivate his players i don't know what's happening because they've shown some glimpses of um good football but they've just completely lost the plot now and and uh um, you know, in danger of uh, of getting that wooden spoon as well. They're in the danger zone there, um, and you know, were just defeated by the the Tigers, who have not been setting the world on fire this year. So there's a lot of question marks at the Dragons, and a lot of it is pointing at uh, Anthony Griffin and and, uh, and and suggesting that he is uh, on his last legs and. Uh, you know, the the typical thing I'll be looking out for in the next week, and those of us in the Rugby League Republic out there who have been listening to us over the years know uh, that that really the the key signal of uh, this coach uh, of a coach being kicked out the door is when uh, the board comes out and fully supports the coach <laughs> yeah. uh, within within a day or two. Inevitably, this is a, you know it's a it's a cliche for a reason because it always happens, <laughs> and and not only does that happen, but you know that the coach that then gets uh, that replaces him as a caretaker coach inevitably gets a spike in performance and usually that team wins the following week so you know it's going to affect our tipping as well not just uh griffin's uh, employment status but look uh griffin you know we i think we've uh, predicted earlier in the year in our crystal ball segment that we uh that that griffin would be one of the first on the chopping block and it looks like that might be the case Tish, do you think uh, Anthony Griffin's done enough to stay, or do you think that there the calls for his dismissal uh, and sacking are are justified? Okay, well, what we know because um, it was reported earlier in the year that the Dragons are looking for a new coach for next year, and they've told Griffin that he has to reapply for his job in order to be the coach in twenty twenty four, right? 
So really what you've got now is the rest of the season left for Anthony Griffin to do his thing, to turn it around. So that should be enough motivation for him as the coach to try and keep his job by um, he's in the best position to be the Dragons coach next year because he can get runs on the board this year, um, get him into the finals, get him to win a premiership, and then you can't sack him, right? So he's got got that opportunity. Um, So I think... I think that's fine, but like the way it's headed, like you know, it looks like that. Um, that's not what he's thinking at all. He's probably just thinking that no matter what he does, he won't be able to survive. Um, and then so they might have to call it early, um, you know. And uh, unfortunately, with their form that they've shown now, that 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 now the form thing is a bit interesting because because they actually have been quite close in all their games. Apparently, like they don't really have a bad for and against. Um, it's just that they just don't seem to be able, you know, there's one or two plays that they get wrong throughout the course of a game and then these things come back and bite them. And then even on the weekend, uh, they have an opportunity to score in the last minute or so and probably Moses Sully, if he held on the board and tried to wet himself, he probably could have uh, scored. But then they passed it out and then there was a miraculous, you know, try-saving tackle from the Tigers, uh, you know, young gun Buller that actually mm-hmm. ended up... Um, you know, being the play of the the round type thing. So that's what it came down to. So, you know, they're losing these little moments. uh, And then so that's the thing that they have to try and fix, right? So where do they do it? Well, I'm looking at their lineup for for this, for the next round. And what I've noticed is that they've had four players that they've brought into their squad, but they've had zero players they've announced who are out of their squad. So I kind of think to myself, well, you're not changing the team, right? So um, do you think the team's just going to get better playing together more? Maybe is that the situation? Probably, maybe. I don't know. That's that's kind of a thinking. Um, But I think this Ben Hunt, um, so they've got this thing where after about 20 minutes or after about 30 minutes, Ben Hunt moves to the dummy half roll and then they bring in uh, Sullivan to uh, uh, to be the halfback basically. Right, and uh, the reason why is because they're training Jaden Sullivan to be eventual replacement for Hunt. So I think this is where things I think they kind of need to adjust because I don't think that that's a, a viable strategy. Really, I feel like they should keep Hunt in the halves and perhaps have, um, you know, have uh, like they've got uh, Talta and Moan um, and and Sullivan and just try and work those two into the game somehow. Um, you know, who's a tyrant play because they, they do actually have some really good attacking players, but they just don't seem to be able to make those decisions. So, I think, and I think the guy that's the most likely to make the right decision at the right time is actually Ben Hunt, but you've got him controlling mm. the rock instead of making the decision, right? So, I think, I think what they need to do is get Ben Hunt in those crucial moments, um, to be their marquee player and let the young guys do the creativity around him. And I think that's probably why they're not winning those games uh, because, you know, or not like if they've taken on the Cowboys where Cowboys have got some young, exciting halves and, and you know, uh, X-Factor players too. But, you know, Chad Townsend, he demands the ball when it's a crucial clutch moment, right? Um, and that's probably why that they've had more success over the last two years than what the Dragons have had. So I think, I think that's the mm. issue with the Dragons. I think they just got the wrong players getting the ball at the wrong time. <laughs> um, but your thoughts, 
Yeah, yeah. The other problem is they're not scoring as many points as their opposition and continually losing. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the other problem. Uh, look, yeah, there's a lot of problems there at the Dragons. I think, uh, I guess, one of the, the kind of parallels that I could I could give is if you look at like several years ago, uh, well, it's not really the same parallel, a, a close enough parallel, but, you know, you, there were some clubs like, I guess Cronulla, which after the Flanagan situation lost its way a little bit and lost its identity and, and wasn't doing much. But then you bring in Fitzgibbon and he started to kind of bring it all together and uh, and and give that team an identity and a, and a strategy and a style. And I think uh, – I don't think the Dragons – the dragons have, uh, you know, an identity or a style that that you can sort of uh, that motivates players, uh, and that sort of tells me that, you know, that the the situation that they're in is that they've got they're they seem like a pretty unmotivated squad. Um, ben Hunt seems to always win Man of the Match awards, and that's why he's always up there in the Dally M voting, but. Where, what where's everyone else? Uh, what what are the others doing? Why aren't the others chipping in? Uh, it is a bit of a danger sign when one player dominates the Dally M uh, awards uh, from your from your team. It means that the others aren't really putting in or you know putting in much effort. And so I wonder why that's the case. I don't know if there's a culture thing going on there that that's beyond Griffin. So I think what they need is a, a new coach that brings in a strong culture and someone that's not going to take any you know. No, no fuss, no messing around. Not going to take no for an answer, and and uh, that kind of thing. Um, I think that's the style of coach that they need to kind of put some discipline back into this team because they just seem to have quite a lot of things going on, and none of them are positive. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what the answer is. I, I don't know what the stats show us. Um, but haven't really looked into it, but I think uh, you know. Again, the purpose of this is to just sort of flag that Griffin is about to be shown the door. And uh, and and I think from both of our perspectives, I think it's probably a good move because I think he's he he isn't able to turn this team around. If anything, he's making it's hemorrhaging really the dragons, uh, and it's not getting any better. And I think uh, a changing leadership and changing style, a changing coach is probably required. Um, shall we move on to tackle number four? Yeah, let's do it. All right, speculation has mounted that Wayne Jr. Pierce's son, Mitchell Pierce, is set to return from the UK Super League back to the NRL, not this year, but next year. And uh, apparently uh, he rejected recently an offer from the Tigers to return. Um, I think he said he, uh, and that was in March, so very recently, um, he wants to stay there, uh, finish his season. Uh, with what club is he in at the moment? I keep forgetting. Uh, is it with uh, do you know their Tish? Um, Cata something, I don't know. Is it is it the Catalans? Oh, that's right, he's with Catalans. Yeah, all right, there you go. I thought he had changed, but no, so he's with Catalan Dragons. He, uh, yeah, like I said, he was offered uh, a return to the Tigers, although uh, that didn't really work uh, to the NRL via the Tigers, that didn't really happen. 
So I guess the question remains, is the Tigers, uh, well, ironically, then the Tigers have lost Adam Dewey. So they kind of need a, a, you know, half or a five-eighth to kind of steer the ship there. He would have been absolutely perfect for them at the moment. But, um, you know, that being said, uh, that's not going to be. A question is, who should uh, the, uh, you know, wh- which club should Mitchell Pierce go to? Where do you think he will fit in best? Um, what are your thoughts, Tish? Ah, Zamania, what a he, what a Okay, well, yeah, I think the yeah Simba. What was that? <laughs> that, that was me trying. I to thought do we just spoken to Chad GPT, but no, okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, that was me trying to do the Lion King. Uh, you know. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, look. Uh, yeah, but obviously, uh, um, just you know, um, you know, I think the the um, you know uh, the cats in the crate on the silver spoon, little boy blue, you know, coming <laughs> home again. We'll get together then, you know, like you know, um, you know, they, I, th- I think I think it makes sense that he plays for the the club that his old man played for. Do you know what I mean? Um, that would be. So you want like, him back at the Tigers, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, we want to own him well, finally. The Tigers. Like, you know He's I mean? never played for the Tigers, has he? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's one of the it's one of the great tragedies uh, that we've had. You know, we've had uh, Romeo and Juliet. You know, and we've had Juniors Junior never playing for Juniors Club, where he's the favorite son. You know, the favorite wow. son's son never played for the team um, that this son favorite son played for. Would well, that make him the favorite grandson? The favorite grandson, yeah, exactly, yeah. Son of the son. Yeah, so um, look, and look, this is a, I mean, like, so I think that's where uh, he could go. Look, he's also got an affiliation with Newcastle, and uh, Newcastle are trying to move on. I don't know, like, um, I don't know if he's going to fit in there. And then, um, you know, uh, if you think about some of the, um, I'm just trying to think about the different uh, coaches that he've had that he's had, and uh, the only one that I could think of that. Is available is Ricky Stewart, but I don't know if I think that's that was a bit volatile there as well. So, but Canberra <laughs> yeah. seemed to um, have that. So, yeah, I like I, really apart from the Roosters and the uh, Tigers, I don't really see any other club really having that as as an option for them. You know, um, so yeah, I, I suppose you know, is there a player that we would like to see Mitchell play Mitchell Pierce play alongside? Um, you know, like that is a kind of an interesting type of thing. And then what comes to my mind is, and this is kind of crazy, but it's like um, this is this is kind of how you do it, is that you put all the villains in the one team. What about <laughs> what about Mitchell Pierce for the Melbourne Storm alongside Cameron Munster? That is team well, hate right there. That, that would be that would be um uh, that would be lo- there are longer odds, I think, of <laughs> the uh, of Anthony Griffin winning the premiership this year than that happening. Uh, you know, look, who knows? Who knows? But look, I wonder whether you know maybe he should come back to you know. I, w- I wonder if he should go maybe to New Zealand Warriors. Uh, maybe they mm. need uh, someone off Sean Johnson. We need a, a steadying of the ship, a good kicking game, and Sean Johnson can be unleashed in his final years uh you know maybe that's that's something what about bulldogs i mean do we do they have a halfback Ooh. that they're gonna 
you know, Josh Reynolds and Mitchell Pierce together in the one team. I mean, who knows? Uh, yeah. That's that's another option. But look, I wonder whether we're missing the obvious mm. trick here, which is the St. George Illawarra Dragons. <laughs> the Dragons. Do you reckon uh, the Dragons? What do you reckon? Well, look, they're already trying to get rid of old man Ben, right? Um, <laughs> so, so, so I don't think they need another one. But the Bulldogs, I think, is I think the Bulldogs have got that because they've got they've got Gus there, right? And uh, and uh, you know, apparently, you know, Gus Gould loves uh, Chinese food, right? So, um, and I feel like Mitchell Pierce is also uh, a noodles man. Um, <laughs> don't know why I think that, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Was there an incident with the noodle? I don't know. I can't remember. I, I don't know. I, uh, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going there, mate. <laughs> so, okay. All right. Cool. Anyway, so look, I think, I think, look, even though I probably um, more than I, I think that where the where my sort of dislike for him came from is that he never played for the Tigers. So. I think I finally, I finally want to like love him a little bit. Um, you know, he's he, as I said, he's he's junior's junior, so you know we should have been a bit more nicer to him uh, at Leichhardt over all, all those years. So, yeah, like you know, we just want you, we want we want you, Mitchell. Like just just come, we'll figure it out a way. We'll we'll fit you in somewhere. You know, like that's 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 my plea for you. You know, um, you know, uh, you know, you could, uh, you know, you could, you know what, you could help Benji coach the team, right? Like, do you know what I mean? So, so that, 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 that's our offer, you know? Well, you know, Mitchell Pierce reuniting with, um, uh, with Robbie Farah, you know, that mm. really worked for New South Wales. So I'm sure it'll work for the Tigers. <laughs> that's right. Why not? All right. Well, sounds like we have no clue where he's going to come back, but I think, um, there's, you know, there's speculation, no doubt, will mount, uh, during the year and will increase, uh, as, uh, as time draws on. Cause I think, I think it's, uh, it kind of makes sense. I think he will he will find a place here if he wants to return, if that's what he wants to do in his final year or so of his career. Um, I think he's still got a lot to offer. So I think, uh, you know, he a lot of clubs could do worse than what they've got at the moment than bring back Mitchell Pierce. Uh, you know, we I know people have been uh, saying lots of things about him and how he didn't really succeed as much in uh, state of origin sort of land. But definitely as a club man, definitely was very strong Strong player and well respected, and got some good results. So, um, mm. but yeah, he was look, the uh, number one at being the number two halfback. <laughs> all right, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> it is what it is. All right, let's move on then to uh, tackle number five, King Charles's coronation. Here we go. <laughs> All right, the big historic event that's just occurred over the weekend was the coronation, the official coronation of uh, King Charles III of England, um, who, uh, you know, they've, they've just done, I think, the the concert and all that kind of stuff. So all the, the big pageantry and everything has just happened. But it made me think, Tish, you know, we used to have a king of rugby league. He used to be called Wally Lewis, or he still is called Wally Lewis, but he used to be the king of rugby league. Um, and, and look, I was just thinking, in this generation, we don't have a player that that we call the king. I mean, there's King Guth- Clint Gutherson of the Eels, King Gutho, but 
think I think the term the king really should be, uh, you know, saved for the player that is really, you know, the dominant player, someone who's really acts like the king and, and has uh, some sort of an air of uh, infallibility about him, um, which Wally Lewis definitely did have, but I don't think we've had anyone ever since. So I was just wondering, Tish, do we have a current king of rugby league, someone who's, you know, number one and uh, is really, uh, you know, and, and who would really accept that mantle of King of Rugby League. I know we've kind of, we are the Republic, so we're more about uh, the Caesar rather than the President. King. Oh, yeah. President, you know, all that kind of stuff. But look, that being said, uh, there's nothing wrong with monarchies. They seem to still exist all over the world. Uh, but in Rugby League, uh, you know, uh, King Wally Lewis, the last true king of Rugby League, is there a current king? Uh, what do you think? We, we thought we'd chat with Chad GPT and ask him what he thinks about uh, based on what he knows, who is the king of rugby league? It is difficult to identify a single king of rugby league, as there have been many great players and coaches throughout the history of the sport who have made significant contributions to its development and success. Some notable players who are often regarded as among the greatest in rugby league history include Andrew Johns, Wally Lewis, Darren Lockyer, and Jonathan Thurston. Similarly, there have been many successful coaches who have achieved significant success, such as Jack Gibson, Wayne Bennett, and Craig Bellamy. Ultimately, the King of Rugby League is a subjective designation and could depend on a variety of factors such as personal preferences, achievements, and impact on the sport. All right, well, Chad has actually come through with the goods because he has given me an idea and I thought mm. I'd, we'd have this a bit of a discussion about this, who's the king of rugby league. Um, I've got it all wrong, Tish. I've been thinking, I've been thinking player, uh, but actually the true king of rugby league, someone oh, yeah. who has coached, mm. has done immense, uh, you know, had, had an immense contribution in the world of coaching. In my mind, unquestionably the best coach uh, of rugby league of all time, Having won, you know, premierships with, uh, uh, well, how many? How many is it now? Is it two, three? <laughs> how many different different teams has he won with? Um, you know, done two. I think. I think it was it two or was it three? No, two. Um, look, and you know, having um, having also, well, at the moment, who's he? Who's he coaching? Uh, coaching a team, the new team, the Dolphins, already a raging success. Um, who are they sponsored by? Kings. <laughs> yeah. It's none other than Wayne Bennett. Tish, I reckon Chad mm. was onto something with the coaching realm, which I had completely forgotten about. But I, I reckon I would have to say now that I think about it, maybe Wayne Bennett is our true king of rugby league. Uh, you know, he, he's even uh, he's even mellowed out in his old age and and uh, gone from cranky Wayne Bennett to. You know, cracking jokes on KO ads. <laughs> you know, what's what's <laughs> happening with our Wayne Bennett? I don't know. Is he, is he the mad king maybe? Maybe he's lost the plot a little mm. bit. But look, he even acts like a king, the way he's so stoic. Oh, look, I've, 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 I've really gone gone with this now. I've, I really think I'm putting my vote in for Wayne Bennett as a, our king of current king of rugby league. What about you, Tish? What do you think? Well, uh, King Charles III, the current king 
of uh, of uh, the Commonwealth um, of so, England, yes, well, of England, of <laughs> England, England, yeah, like, okay, uh, yeah. Has Scotland succeeded? I'm not sure, uh, but November fourteenth, nineteen forty eight, seventy four years old, Wayne Bennett, first of January, nineteen fifty. So he's only two years younger than the King, anyway. Right, so oh wow, okay, wow, so 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 not that, but uh, so and I think I agree, and you know, um, you know, I know, uh, like you know, he's kind of uh, you know, got that Elvis vibe going a little bit, I'd say, of uh, you know, if you think about the king of the of the westerns, um, you know, Clint Eastwood, he's definitely got the Clint Eastwood vibe going as well, right? Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, 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 you know, so 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 there, and I think, yeah, and I think, yeah, if you sort of um, yeah, I think I think he could go toe to toe with the with the King of England as well. So I think yeah, I like I think it's a great way to look at it. Like you know, the King of Rugby League being the best coach out there, the most uh, immortal coach of the immortals, right? And then you could see like the succession plan, right? So the succession plan could be a Craig Bellamy or a uh, you know Trent uh, Robinson, right? You know what I mean? Because you know they need to have a bit of a French background if they are king, right? You know what I mean. So, um, and and you know he's sort of outdoing himself over in France with some of his, uh, you know, development that he's that he's got himself into. So there you go. You know, doing doing the, uh, not just being like, um, look, I think Wayne Bennett. You could call him the king of Queensland, really. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, if he was running for parliament, there he would he would win, right? Like, mm, good point. Like yeah. I, he could do whatever he likes. You know what I mean? I don't think. I mean, look, uh, this is could be towards the Warrior fan route, but I don't think uh, – I think if Wayne Bennett's speeding in Queensland, I don't think he gets pulled over. Like, <laughs> okay. you know, I, I think I think he's got that much pull, like, do you know what I mean, like uh, in Queensland. So, so, so yeah, so I think um, – look, look, should we just – should we just crown him? Like, I don't I – don't, I think it's – I think it's unanimous, isn't it, you know? Um Oh, look, I, I think I think Chad has come up with uh, a really good sort of suggestion there. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think he he, uh, he deserves it. Um, uh, you know, if you think about the king, I mean, certainly if you want to talk about the best players, we don't really have anyone that stands out. But I think in terms of mm. the coaching realm, definitely you've got someone who does stand out and who actually, uh, you know, has – has that kind of uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? That gravitas uh, yeah. that that a king should have. You know, he's got that respect, and uh, you know, when you're a good coach, you know, you know, yeah, you may win one or two seasons out of a long career as he has, uh, you know, and dominated with certain clubs. But no one ever looks at the fact that you know, what about all those years where you've haven't won anything? You've actually lost. And so, mm. and so, no one really thinks that. Whereas with a player, player players kind of do get, um, you know, uh, their their status as best in the game can change year on year. Whereas it doesn't really happen with coaches, does it? It's not like as if, you know, like if Brad Arthur miraculously wins the premiership this year with the Eels, he's not all of a sudden the best coach in rugby league. Um, it'll still be Wayne Bennett. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'll still be Craig Bellamy. Those kinds of things. So it's not. One win doesn't make you all of a sudden the best. It just means that you won that year. Uh, so, yeah, in my mind, coaching really brings it to a higher level, longer-term level. Um, as I said, uh, you know, Wayne Bennett has found success with the Broncos. 
uh, the Dragons as well. Uh, so he's managed to do it in different clubs, proving mm. that he's not just a Broncos uh, success. And, uh, yeah, and also he yeah. was um, – yeah, I think he, he also helped coach – New Zealand to their 2008 World Cup win as well. Mm. So, so when you high chief Bennett, right? That's right. That's right. When you look at it that way, he has really helped a lot of clubs and and uh, mm. he's, he's earned his mantle there. So there you go. We are yeah. as the Republicans, we are crowning a monarch of rugby league. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> King Wayne yeah. Wayne James Bennett. Born, Wayne James Bennett. There we go. First yeah. of January 1950. Absolutely, Wayne well the first. Wayne the first. That's yeah, to be a Wayne yeah, the first, yeah. isn't it? Replacing Wally the first. Wayne. That's right. <laughs> that's that's right. right. King King Wally, King Wayne. <laughs> Typical King Australian Wayne. names. Good on you. Uh, yeah. But, but well, look, what I'll say, sorry, just uh, look, we're going to talk about the, the player front, right? You know, it's kind of interesting because I, I have thought about a current player that can replace King Wally, right? Um, so, and then, and then look, um, and then we do call him King Gutherson and I do, do get it, but, I, but I believe like if I watch Gutherson play, like, I think he is, uh, he's a great, he's there when you need him to be there. And I think he's a very like sort of, you know, makes the right decisions all the time. So I think he's more the chancellor of the exchequer Gutherson <laughs> as opposed to King Gutherson. Right. So, but if I was to put a player as like a King, I think it has to go for number six for Queensland. Uh, man, Cameron uh, Munster, right? Really, he acts like it. He acts like royalty out there. Let's be let's be fair, right? Really, um, really, yeah. I, I think I and he's got the X factor a bit like how Wally he's has, more like a court jester. He's <laughs> not really the king. Does not act like <laughs> yeah. a king? Okay, yeah, yeah, court, yeah. That's that's a fair call. The court, court yeah, yeah. yeah you know what? Behavior, yeah. I think his behavior would discount him from. Mm. From from that kind of mantle, but look, I think uh, yeah, King Tedesco. I, I, I don't know. I could see. I mean, this is. I could see him playing with a crown. Maybe look. Like, I, look, I, I really don't know. I don't think there's anyone from Queensland at the moment. Um, uh, King Ben Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, would, uh, I, I don't know. Like, who who else would you who else would you put up there? As the king, mm. I mean, there's really no one really that dominates. I think they uh, do have Prince Harry Grant, right? I think that's kind of. Uh, <laughs> Prince, I think could, King Nathan Cleary. I mean, I don't know. Like, is he? <laughs> is he the mm. King Nathan? There's, there has king Nathan. King Nathan the first. There hasn't been a Nathan. I'm pretty sure. Well, well he's definitely the Prince of uh, Penrith, right? So he's got the. That's uh, right. So maybe maybe that's the, you know, when when Wayne when. Uh, King Wayne steps down. It goes to the Prince of Penrith, right? Yeah. I look, and I wonder. Uh, maybe we're looking in the wrong place. Maybe we shouldn't be looking at uh, at Australian players. Maybe we need to look beyond. I mean, certainly in years gone by, I would have said King Benji. King Benji could have mm. been a good uh, a good one. But look, maybe at the moment it's more like. Uh, well, I don't know. I was going to say King Manu, Joseph Manu, but it's mm. not. That hasn't really helped. He hasn't really helped his uh, claim there in the last couple of weeks there with the Roosters. But hmm. um, what about the Duke of the Bulldogs, Josh Reynolds? <laughs> Again, I don't think a king is the kind of look, the kind of thing. A king is never called. He's not, you know, uh, like, like his nickname is like Grub, right? So. 
<laughs> King like, Grub the yeah. first. <laughs> That's right. Like, you know, I'm in the terrible uh, Josh the Grub. Like, you know, like. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, look, look, uh, honestly, I think if I'm to predict in the next couple of years, I think there will be a king that rises, and uh, I've, I think we've predicted this in our crystal ball. So in all seriousness, my final – maybe let me ask you this as a way to close this off, Tish. Who would be king? Who is the person that could be king in the next couple of years? And I think one name stands out more than anyone. If you look at his personality, his his stoicism, his leadership, his uh, his dominance of the Dallyams, King Nico. Oh, I yes. Think King Nico is on the cards, I reckon. Mm. Um, look out because I think we'll start to see an era of dominance in rugby league, in state of origin especially, if we uh, introduce him in there. I think we're, we're going to start seeing King Nico take shape. Mm. That's my view. What about you, Tish? I'll give you the yeah. final nomination. No, I agree. I think the Count of Cronulla um, <laughs> is destined to be king, you know. <laughs> That's right. It's it's those long flowing, that mane of hair that, that reminds me of Lion King. That's why. It just looks like a, a the paddle pop lion uh, waiting to – anyway, all right, enough of that. Um, but anyway, long live the King, uh, King Charles III and King Wayne Bennett the first. Uh, <laughs> last tackle, tips, here we go. The tips for round 10, the magic round, uh, were pretty close. We're pretty good, but um, you managed to tip some of the upsets, which was pretty good. You got six out of eight, taking you to a total of 48. The year, I got five, which takes me to 44. So I'm still a bit behind, but still within striking distance. Um, we already talked about the, uh, the the game. So I think, interestingly, you tipped, uh, yeah, you tipped the Titans and the Dolphins as uh, upsets. So, you know, well done to you, Tish. Let's see if you can keep it up for round 11. We have the Melbourne Storm at home to the Brisbane Broncos on Thursday night um, at Amy Park. Mm. I'm actually tipping the Broncos here. What do you think? I'm going to tip the Storm. Right. Bulldogs versus Warriors at a core stadium, so Bulldogs at home. Uh, the Friday night uh, early game, 6 p.m. I'm tipping the Warriors to band together. Nothing, nothing gets a team going more than an us versus them thing. So I reckon, yeah, uh, you know, Warriors to win that one. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the Warriors, and I think they'll they'll win the penalty count as well. Finally, um, the uh, Penrith Panthers versus Sydney Roosters. It's the battle of uh, of the Brad Fittler Cup, and mm. uh, that's the main Friday night game. Normally, I would have said this, said this is, would have been a blockbuster game, but I think both teams have not really performed at their best this year. But I think the Panthers have the edge, so I'll go with them. Yeah, look, I'm going to give it to City in the City versus Country match, so I think Panthers for mine. Because this, this is basically Brad Fittler's, uh, you know, um, origin selection. <laughs> and um, oh, Did you say you were giving it to City or, or your country? Oh, no, no. To country, to country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going for the Panthers. All right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can be confused there. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, all right, Rabbitohs and Tigers. This is a Saturday 3 p.m. game at a core stadium. Uh, I think the Rabbitohs are specials for this one. Yeah, look, I think the Rabbitohs 
look like the premiers for this year. So I'm going to tip the Rabbitohs. They are, yeah, I, I feel for the Tigers here. Cowboys v Dragons uh, and Queensland Country Bank Stadium at 5.30 on the Saturday, so the Twilight game. Uh, look, mm-hmm. I think the Dragons are spiralling, which means the Cowboys by default will win this one. I think this will be probably one of the most frustrating games to watch this weekend. I think it'll be poor quality from what I've seen from both teams this year, but, yeah, Cowboys will get the edge. Yeah, look, I'm going to go for the Dragons because I, I – yeah, I feel like um, yeah, they, they they need to win. This is like they'll just they'll turn it around. They they have to, right? So it's, yeah. it's like what I yeah. All right, um, the Ricky Stewart Cup, Canberra Raiders versus uh, Parramatta Eels, mm. the Saturday evening game at GIS Stadium, Canberra at home. Mitchell Moses isn't there, and that really Ooh. throws a spanner in the works because we rely so much on him. Having said that, his kicking game has been terrible, and we've lost so many games from you know in less than four points. So, uh, and by kicking game, I mean goal kicking game. Sorry, not 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 general kicking game. His actually kicking game has been brilliant, but I think this means that Jake Arthur might be brought in. So okay. I reckon, however, you know, now that we'll be relying more on Dylan Brown, Bryce Cartwright, and others, I think they'll step up. And I think uh, they'll start to turn things around. So the Eels for mine. Yeah, look, the Raiders are at home, and uh, I think um, I think <laughs> I think the same reasons why you've uh, selected Parramatta, the same reasons I'm picking Canberra. So Canberra. All right, fair enough. Knights versus the Titans um, at McDonald Jones Stadium, Newcastle. They've had the week off. They've gone to Bali. They've they've nice and refreshed and come back. But at Sunday, two p.m. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do it. I think the Knights, uh, they're expected, they've got high expectations. Ponga, I think, is back in the squad. So, uh, But he was a turnstile against the Eels. And I think since the Titans uh, beat the Eels last time around, I think the Titans will do a job on the Knights. So Titans for mine. Yeah, look, uh, no, I'm going to go with the team that's coming off the bye. So I'm going to tip the Knights here on this one. All right. And finally, uh, the final game of the weekend, the Sunday main game at 4 p.m. at Four Points Park, Manly versus Cronulla, the Battle of the Beaches. Um, I think this time around, look, this will be a good one because I think Manly brings the A game sometimes, like once every couple of games. <laughs> so mm. maybe they're due for a good one this time. But I think the Sharks will win this one. King Nico will uh, will win the Battle of the Beaches. He'll be the King of the Beaches as well as uh, King of Rugby League in future. But Sharks will mine. Yeah, it's kind of weird because uh, yeah, I'm going to tip the Sharks as well because I, even though I think Manly are going to come well, um, I don't see the uh, Sharks losing two games in a row that often. So yeah. All right, and obviously the bye goes to the Dolphins, well deserved rest, and I think with that, if I'm not mistaken, with that two points, uh, they'll they'll you know Im- you know climb up the ladder depending on other results as well because they're on. Uh, uh, they're on 12 points. In fact, one thing I forgot to mention that is uh, there is a logjam from position three to position nine. We've got uh, eight, Everybody's six, on 12, seven right? teams on 12 points, which is mm. unbelievable. So, you know, any points you can get, even if it's a guaranteed two points with a buy, means that the Dolphins will be going uh, up and up and uh, – but, yeah, that's uh, good on them. So that's it. 
<laughs> that's it for the podcast. We've covered a lot of ground today. Tish, thank yeah. you very much as usual. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you know, we've done a big one. We've we've crowned the king of rugby league, King Wayne the first. I think that's a big achievement. So uh, you know, let it let it be remembered for all eternity. Episode two sixty nine of the Rugby League Republic podcast is where we crowned King Wayne the first. Um, Tish, I think we're done for today. <laughs> let's let's close this off. Over to you to wrap this one up. Yes, well, thank you, Dr. T, for an epic episode and I'd like to thank everybody for listening, but that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.